you're a little bit like, oh, relationship series, this is going to be um, a little bit nervous, it's going to be awkward, this was totally me. I got a, um, like a message from Craig a couple months ago saying, Gene, you're speaking at Main Church, and I was like, awesome, cool, sounds good, and he's like, you're starting the relationship series, and I was like, what? I was freaking out, um, and I was flashing back, because the last time I spoke in a relationship series was a year ago at Element, and like our youth thing on a Friday night, and me and Dave were launching the series, we were going to do it for several weeks, and we did a very similar game to what we started this morning. We were doing Element's Best Couple, and so we had five couples, same thing over four weeks to find out who was going to be like the ultimate, ultimate couple, and I was like, this is a little bit unfair because Dave and I got put into the competition, and we'd been together for like eight whole years, and everyone else was like 16, maybe they'd been dating for a year, or... Um, they were just some friends who had known each other for a couple of years, and I was like, this is so unfair. Me and Dave are going to, like, take it out, and we're going like, to win. So I was a little bit, like, felt a bit mean about it. And we went up on the first week of the game, and the game was um, similar to that. You had to write on a whiteboard an answer to a question and reveal it. So it would be like, for example, you go to McDonald's, what is Gina, what is person one going to order? And you both write, hold it up. And we did all these questions, and... Dave and I completely failed. We got like everything wrong about each other and we got kicked out of the competition on the first week. And then like 10 minutes later, we had to get up. We were doing like a combined preach, both of us together. We were like, so you want to learn about relationships? We've got some tips. And everyone was just like, you don't even know each other. Um, but we were just like, we don't, we don't eat much McDonald's. We don't, uh, yeah, we were, we were trying to excuse ourselves but we just did really terribly. So this morning I was thinking about that and there was no way I was playing that game. But shout out to everyone who did because that was funny. That's great. Excited to see who, uh, what keeps happening in the next few weeks on that. But this morning, um, we're talking about, a series is called Love Boat, and the first week is called It's Not You, It's Me. And Maddie had made a really cool compilation. That was a video. Oh, Switch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if you're in year 7, 8, or 9, Switch is about to begin, so why don't you jump up and go out those doors? You're about to just hear all about relationships. So you guys are freaking out. You're like, what? <laughs> Sweet. Have fun, guys. Um, but Maddie had made a really cool, awesome compilation video, just like hundreds of people from movie scenes saying, it's not you, it's me. So check it out on the Instagram later, um, on the church Instagram. Um, that'd be great. But we started this morning talking about, it's not you, it's me. And um, Craig and Sharon, in case you don't know about it, they're off in Hawaii this morning. They're in Hawaii for a week celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. Um, and this morning, Lance said it really good in prayer meeting before the service. He said, it feels like mum and dad are away. And we were all like, oh, what are we doing? Um, but Craig and Trina are in Hawaii. They're celebrating 25 years, which is exciting. Um, I actually thought about unfollowing them on Instagram just for like a week because you don't want to be at home like in foggy Tuakau this morning and seeing their like sunny Hawaii pics. But I didn't. I'm trying to celebrate for them. But that's exciting for them. Um, they'll be back next week. And I think Craig's preaching part two of the series. Um, but we're excited about it because we think that talking about relationships is important. It doesn't just affect two people, but relationships affect like every part of our life. It affects our jobs and our schooling and our other relationships, our friendships. It affects our mental health and our relationship with God. And so we think talking about it is important, not just if you're married, not just if you're dating, but for all of us. And so we know that over this series there'll be something for you. Um, maybe not every moment of every week will be relevant for you, but we assure you that in the four weeks you're going to 100% get something awesome out of this. So we're excited. We believe it's going to be good. Um, so I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. Awesome. God, we thank you that we can be in church this morning, God, and we thank you that as we start this Love Boat series, God, that I guess this is a word 
and season from you to us, God. And I just pray that for all of us, we'll be able to lean in, God. We'll be able to listen and we'll be able to hear what you're saying to each of us, God, no matter where we're at in relationships in our life, God, and that would learn something, would lead this place closer to you, God, but also closer to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So I was looking up this week, It's Not You, It's Me is a pretty common thing to say, like hundreds of movies have it in as the confirmation we were going to show shows, but I looked it up on Urban Dictionary, which is just like a ridiculous, silly website, but the Urban Dictionary said the meaning of It's Not You, It's Me is the biggest lie ever. (laughs) So when we say It's Not You, It's Me, we're basically saying it's 100% you, um, for whatever reason, but It's Not You, It's Me is a really nice way of saying I just don't like you, it's just not happening, you've got a lot of issues you need to sort out, I'm fine. Um, And I think it's kind of one thing that we're quite good at as a culture in relationships, it's blaming the other person. I don't know about you, but when a relationship ends, it's not you, it's me, really, it's you. And 10 minutes later, you're um, with your girlfriends and you're like, oh my goodness, he just has... He had the worst style, his shoes always smelled terrible, everything that was wrong with that person. And I was talking on Friday night telling a story about um, a few years ago, one of my close friends, um, she had like a relationship breakup and she was really upset about it. She like had messaged me saying her boyfriend just broke up with her and she thought they were going to get married and she was real excited about it. So she was really, really upset and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to be a good friend, I need to go to her house and I just need to like be really mean about him. So I drove over there and I was like, you know what, it's all right. He had terrible style. What was that haircut? And I just like really went to town on being like mean. So I'm just being a really good friend to her. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just being really supportive. I was like, you don't need him. Like what was just, you know, I was quite mean, but I was trying to be really supportive and like a loving friend. And I left that night and I kind of like pat myself on the back and I was like, Junior, you were a really good friend today. Um, She's going to get over it. She'll be happy that that ended. It'll be fine. Um, And then, like, it was, like, a very short amount of hours later. Like, by the next morning, got a message, and she's like, oh, my goodness, guess what? We're back together. And I was like, oh, that's great. Um, I was telling everyone at youth that in November this year, I'm actually going to be the maid of honor at their wedding. And I have to, like, stand up and do a wedding speech and just be like, you're such a great guy. And he is a nice guy, but just in the back of my head, I've just said like so much mean stuff about him. Um, so I'm just trying to like, I don't quite know how I'm going to get over that. But he is a really nice guy. But, you know, like, even if someone's nice, you just got to like be mean about them to make someone get over it. But I think, <laughs> so anyway, I'll let you know how that goes in November. Um, but sometimes in our culture, we're really good at blaming another person when relationships go wrong. And even when relationships don't go wrong, but small things, I know that in my marriage, I'm really good at blaming Dave for things sometimes that... Maybe aren't 100% his fault, but uh, last weekend, or last, last Thursday on Anzac Day, we went fishing with my parents, and we got home on Thursday night, and we cooked some fish for dinner, and then we, I put some fish, some like fish bones, into this like old tin can on our bench, like a tomato tin or whatever, about to throw it in the bin, and then I completely forgot, and then for like the rest of the weekend weekend, our kitchen and our house just started to smell really disgusting, and Dave didn't obviously know why, because he hadn't put the fish anywhere weird, but I had. I'd also completely forgotten. I was just getting really mad at him because David filleted the fish. And I was like, you obviously got it all over the floor. You obviously got it like all over the kitchen, Dave. And I made him clean the entire kitchen. I made him mop the floor. Um, (laughs) Until he realized that I'd just left it on the bench and hadn't put it in the rubbish. So um, I'm, I'm sometimes very good at blaming another person 
in relationships as well. Um, but I guess today's message, it's not you, it's me. We want to look, I guess, and take a little re- bit of responsibility for ourselves this morning. And that's not the funnest thing to do, but we think it's a great thing to do. And so this morning we're going to be looking not at the other person. So when I'm speaking, I don't want you to be like nudging anyone or being like, that's for him. This is about us. So we're going to be thinking about ourselves this morning, which is exciting. I hope you're ready for it. Um, and this message was um, inspired by a message spoke by a pastor from America called Andy Stanley. And he's a great guy. Um, and he talks about um, how in our culture, there's a lot of relationships that break up, marriages break up. It's like, I guess, a very common thing. And I was going to bring statistics, and then I was like, I don't actually need to. I think we all kind of understand that that happens. Um, and he talks about one mindset that he believes really feeds into like relationships not going well and unhealthy relationships. And we're going to start by talking about that this morning. And that is the right person myth. This is the idea that when you meet the right person, everything will be all right. When I meet the right person, our personalities will match so perfectly that we'll never argue. Or when I meet the right person, I won't have to be patient because they're never going to annoy me because we're going to be that right for each other. Or when I meet the right person, we won't have problems because we'll be perfect for each other. When I meet the right person, we're going to be so in tune, we're going to miss, we're going to miss, we're going to dress matching every day, it's going to be adorable. Or when I meet the right person, our relationship is just going to be great. It sounds pretty good, right? Sounds pretty ideal. But this way of thinking can create trouble in our dating and our marriages because when we believe that when we meet the right person and everything will be all right, we excuse ourselves for having to be good at relationships and working on ourselves because we believe that if we meet the right person, our relationship will be good on its own. And our culture, like loves this idea. Disney movies especially tell us that like as soon as a Disney movie, no matter like what crazy stuff happens, as soon as you meet the prince, you'll live happily ever after. That's the basic tagline of most Disney princess movies. As soon as you meet the guy, happily ever after. And there's a lot of other things in our culture which tell us this. Um, I was thinking about Married at First Sight this week, a real crazy TV show and it's been in New Zealand and Australia lately. Um, And this idea is shown really well in that. The idea that if they can get some scientists and psychologists in a room, and they're going to like find out of thousands of people who entered the show, they're going to match some perfect couples. These people are going to have the same beliefs, they're going to have the same personality traits, they're going to have the same passions, they're going to have, like they're going to be as perfectly matched as these psychologists can possibly get them. And like, that sounds like a great idea, right? It sounds like, man, that's awesome. Like, that's what some people have been struggling to find the right person. Like, that is what they need, someone else to like match them. Has anyone ever seen Married at First Sight? What a great show. Um, that never happens. And that's why the show's so great. Because if every one of those couples lived happily ever after, none of us would watch it. Um, in the show, it's just like, there is mess, people have fights, it's crazy, people like swap relationships and just like completely go against what the scientists and psychologists say because the thing is, no matter how perfect a couple is, if they're bad at relationships, their relationships is never going to be great and I think like, I haven't watched many of the last seasons of that show but it's like maybe out of the 15 couples, like one will make it through the first like 12 weeks and that's not even like forever but like one couple will survive because the... Because finding the right person isn't 
all we need. Like we, there's not just the right person and then we live happily ever after. We actually need to learn and work in ourselves and learn how to be good at relationships. And so this morning we want to talk about a couple of right person myths that we need to break in order to allow ourselves actually to work on ourselves to be good at relationships. And the first one is this, there's one perfect person for me. Um, and I was thinking about this this week and I think finding the perfect person is kind of like finding the perfect avocado. And I don't know about you guys, I'm a millennial, so of course I love avocado on toast. Um, I genuinely really do. It's a very good meal. Um, and this week, I, when, I, when I was at work one day, I went out for lunch with a couple of friends, and we went to a cafe, um, and I ordered $18 avocado on toast. And $18 is pretty steep for one piece of... Dave was like, what the heck, Gina? Um, $18 is pretty... It was one piece of toast with some avocado on it, and I was like, man, that's a lot, but it's going to be worth it. Until when the toast came out... It wasn't like real avocado. It was like, you know if you go into like a supermarket and in the fresh section there's those like pre-smushed avocado packets? It was like that on my toast and I was not happy. Um, but I also understand because finding the perfect avocado, especially at this time of year, is very impossible. Like I know all the tricks about how to find a good avocado. Like the color it should be, how you push in the little like tip of the stick thing. I don't really know what it is, but in like how soft it should be, like feeling it. I know all the tricks of finding avocado, but still it is almost impossible. And I think that sometimes finding the perfect person is like that. Like no matter how like big of a list you have of like what exactly they need to be like, there's never really going to be one perfect person. It's kind of just like looking for that one beautiful avocado. Like weird, weird comparison compared to people to avocados. But do you know what I mean? Like Sure, like we should, when we're looking for someone, we should have things which we're like, this is something which I will like, this is a hard yes and this is a hard no in someone for me. But at the same time, if we're looking for the perfect person, it's just impossible. And no matter how many of our beliefs line up and how many things, it doesn't mean that we're going to have the perfect relationship. And so that's the first myth we need to break. The second one is when I find the right person, everything will be all right. And we've already talked about this a little bit. Um, and this morning, I didn't preach this message to come in here and um, maybe feel like looking for someone to like crush your dreams, that you're never going to find someone who's right for you. Um, that wasn't my intention, I promise. Um, but this morning, we wanted to start this series by breaking that myth. Um, not to be horrible, but because we believe there's a better way to ensure that you have great relationships than just hoping you found or you will find the right person. And I think that's something that's really hopeful. If you're in a relationship and things aren't perfect, maybe the person isn't perfect, that's okay because you don't have to find the perfect person to have a great relationship. Actually, we can work on relationships to make them great. And I think that's awesome. Um, and so we're going to keep coming back to this idea, which I'm about to share throughout the series. Um, and here's the thought. Instead of finding the right person, the real issue is, are you becoming the right person? And this is an idea that not many of us get told. Disney tells us about finding the perfect person, the right person, but it never teaches us about becoming the right person, about working on ourselves. You never see like a Disney princess like practicing her patience or practicing like not getting angry or practicing like having good conversations with people. What the world shows us often is perfect relationships. But we want to talk about how we can set ourselves up for great relationships, not how we can find that relationship. 
And it's kind of crazy. If you look in the Bible, the Bible gives us zero help for how to find the right person. Like, if you're like, you're dating and you're like, God, who should I choose? And you look in the Bible, God is like zero help. He's not helping you at all with that. And that's not because God doesn't care. But if you reframe the question, and instead of saying that, if you say, how do I become the right person? And you, you look for that in the Bible. If you ask God that question, the Bible is full of stuff about how we can become people who are going to be better in relationships, how we can become better ourselves, how we can become more like Jesus. And when we concentrate on finding someone else, the chances are we're probably not right ourselves. And instead of focusing on other people, we want to, in this series, and I guess starting today, talk about how we can become people who are going to set ourselves up for good relationships in the future, or if we're in a relationship, how we can have better relationships. And so the Bible talks about how we can become better for relationships so many places throughout it. And this morning we're going to talk about one verse, which I think I found particularly helpful and I think is really awesome. And you probably have heard this verse before, and it's pretty well known. It's been read at like, I don't know, probably most Christian weddings. But I don't want to turn off when I talk about it. I want you to think, if I applied this verse or this principle to my life, would, like, how would my relationships, my friendship, my work relationships, my marriage or my dating relationship, how would that look if I actually applied this? And so the list comes from 1 Corinthians 13. I think it was going to go up on the screen behind me. And it says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. And I've probably read that, probably read that Bible verse like hundreds of times. But man, I was, as I, we were talking about this and I was um, doing some research for this and listening to other people's messages, I was like, man, go, when God tells us how to love well, this is like one of the, this is one of the lists he gives us. And I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, in my relationship, if I learned to be more patient, if I learned to consider other people, if I learned how to think about how other people feel more, how would my relationship be? And I was like, man, probably way better, like all my relationships. And I was like, man, if I learned to not envy, if I learned to not envy more, if I don't think um, when I'm not feeling good, I won't let you feel good either, or when stuff's going good for you, I don't want that to happen. And then I was thinking about, man, if I learn to not boast in all my relationships, how much better would they be? Or if I learn to be not proud, or if I learn to not dishonor other people just because I'm having a bad day, or just because of something going on in my life, if I learn to not be self-seeking in my relationships, what would that look like? And if I learn to not be so easily angered in my relationships, and if I learned to not keep a record of wrongs, which is so easy to do, if I learned to rejoice with the truth and protect and trust and hope, man, how much better would my relationships be? And I was, I don't know about you this morning, but man, if I could apply that list to my life, no matter what relationship I'm in, whether it's my friends or my workmates or my husband or my family, all of my relationships are going to be better and yeah, I think it's an incredibly powerful list and something we've probably read a hundred times, but we live in a culture that so easily blames another person in a relationship. We, we learn and we get taught to say, like, it's not you, it's me, really meaning 
you've got a thousand problems and I just can't be bothered dealing with it. But God never asks us to find the right person. He asks us to become the right person. And the list from 1 Corinthians is, I guess, the list that describes who God is. Like, that's describing God. Um, and that's the kind of love that Jesus showed while on the planet. And that's the kind of love God asked us to adopt in our relationships. And that's not an easy thing. That's incredibly hard. Living that kind of love isn't something that we can flick a switch and do overnight. But, and God doesn't expect that from us. God doesn't ask us to do that. But God is saying, if you want a good relationship, if you want healthy relationships, if you want relationships that are going to last and be great, if you can adopt this list, if you can every day wake up and be like, God, I want to love like that. God, I want to be better at trusting and protecting God. I want to be better at not being self-seeking. I mean, that's going to make our relationships so much better. And I'm 100% convinced that if I committed myself and if we committed ourselves to being like, God, help me be more like 1 Corinthians, then every single relationship in our life would go better. And whether in your marriage, I think it would be healthier. Or if you're looking for someone, um, if, instead of trying to find the perfect person, if you can become the right person, that's going to make that so much easier. And I guess as we open the series, we want to, this is, I guess, the big idea for this morning, that if we can become the right person, then all our relationships are going to look better. Instead of looking at the other person and asking them to become the right person, instead of looking for the right person, if we can become the right person, if we can become more like Jesus, if we can become more like 1 Corinthians, if we can learn to love better ourselves, every relationship we're a part of, is going to be healthier. And so this morning, um, I was thinking about this, I was like, man, how do we actually implement that in our lives? If, if 1 Corinthians is a list that is that important, is that powerful for our relationships, like how can we actually do that? Because, man, it sounds so good. Man, I, when I was like writing this and preparing this, I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. But how do we actually implement that in our lives? And I guess there's a few things you can do. One, you can write it down or print it out and stick it on your wall or even better, like memorize it or highlight it on your phone. Have it somewhere where you can see it. And every day wake up and say like, man, God, I want to love more like this for, in every relationship I have, but God, I want to be more like this and be constantly asking God, God, can, can you help me become more like 1 Corinthians 13? So this morning we started talking about it's not you, it's me. And normally, I read it at the start, it's not you, it's me is the biggest lie ever. But this morning we want to flip that and talk about it's not you, it's me, because we genuinely do want to look at ourselves and how we play a part in our relationships and what we're actually like. And I guess this morning, um, we're going to be talking about lots of awesome stuff over the next three weeks as part of the series. But this morning, I want to, I guess, encourage you to and I want to pray with anyone who's like, actually, Gina, I want to make sure that as we go into the series, but just for my own life, that I'm someone who, I guess, takes responsibility for my part in my relationships or my future relationships, that I'm the best person I can be for my relationships, that I'm the right person for my relationship, that I'm as healthy as I can be. And this morning, I guess I'm going to, um, well, why don't you stand to your feet, everyone? Um, and I'm just going to pray. And if you want to pray with me, um, that's awesome. But I so believe that 1 Corinthians is an awesome scripture and it's very powerful. Um, and if we can learn to ask God that every day, then our relationship's going to be so much healthier.